Hi everyone, welcome to 21st Century Saints, our podcast and live stream series for members, those affiliated with or adjacent to or hang around or are interested in even a little bit or think members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints are completely crazy. Wherever you fit in that Mormon spectrum, um, this is for you. We focus here in the United Kingdom and around the world. It's great to have you all with us tonight. We're um, going to be talking about a subject that's really close to all of our hearts and uh, hopefully be listening more than we're talking tonight. We're going to share our guide to pride and we're going to have this special focus on the transgender experience. Um, as allies, we need to know from our trans community um, what our blind spots are, what we need to do better, uh, what what do we need to know about your lived experience. We have our 21st century saints Ruth in the chat, so it's great to have her here. Um, and I'm just going to get everyone to say hi. So we've got our usual co-host, Sarah, do you want to say hey? Hi everyone, it's good to be here and I'm really looking forward to taking a very backseat role tonight and being able to learn from Landon and Leon. That's my role tonight, I'm looking forward to that. Me too, me too. Um, where do you, do you mind me asking Sarah, and you can say no to this question, uh, do, you, do you mind me asking where do you fit in the trans spectrum, you're uh, cisgender right, your pronouns are pronouns her? Are cis cisgender, pronouns are she, her. Awesome, thank you for that. Um, but member then, of the gay community and love that. Yeah, yeah. I So we have Sarah, who is a member of the queer community. Um, I am an ally. I, I, I have way too much privilege um, to even really sort of be considered anything more than someone who just is a cisgender uh, white woman. I, so I am part of the queer community in that I am... By and I uh, have spoken about that in church before. Um, I also, so my Landon is here tonight, and we've had this conversation uh, a few times before. I don't think I would go so far as saying I have, I am gender fluid. I am more kind of, I would have said gender bendy, but I definitely, I mean, it sounds more poetic and balletic than, you know. Than, than I and graceful than I actually am so I would say maybe gender curly from time to time um so I'm happy with I do get um a kick out of him I have been um you know addressed by by he him pronouns a few times before which has given me life and I really love that um my pronouns tend to be she, her, but I'm happy with any pronouns. Um, I, I don't mind any and all pronouns. Um, and I know that some people have lots of different thoughts on it and uh, don't like to think about their pronoun use because they are uh, very clearly in their minds part of the binary. So I'm going to introduce us now that we sort of, um, your hosts have talked about where, where we are. We want to um, introduce our guests for tonight that um, we're going to take hopefully a deeper dive into your stories um, another time. But for tonight, maybe we could just introduce a little bit about you both. So first of all, uh, we have Leon with us. Um, Leon, do you want to say hey and uh, tell us a little bit about what your background is? Hi. Um, yeah, my background is a little bit, okay, well, I was trans three years ago, four I don't know. I can't remember because I have a lot of track of time, but at some point in, during the pandemic, I came out as trans, uh -huh. but now I'm looking into it a bit more and I'm still freaking myself out. 
I love that. I love that because yeah, I've ever, oh, I've only I ever known you as Leon, he, him, and the, you know, yeah. the thought of you having this life um, that was before that, yeah. and that it's still not this this binary idea of who you are. Um, that's thank you for sharing that. So mm. your pronouns um, are he, they at the minute, and then she to my little girl <laughs> because that's just too complicated for her to understand at the minute. Thank you so much. Um, we also have with us one of my favourite human beings in the entire world, my little best friend, my Landon. <laughs> it's so good to have Landon here in the podcast because we've we've spoken about you often um, and talked a little bit about your experiences. Thank you for agreeing to join us tonight. Do you feel comfortable sharing a little bit about who you are and what your background is? Um, so obviously I'm Landon. Currently my pronouns are any of them, but I only put the three main ones there because I don't think that's like nine sets of pronouns right now would be too good to get your head around without um forewarning. Um but uh, I came out as um five years ago when I was like eleven. Um and I'm just, oh, I'm everywhere in the queer community. It bounces around a lot. I love it. I, I feel like you're, you are just so gender fluid that it's really helped us to, to see that there is not a binary as it, as it relates to you. So I, I have so many things that I am really excited to have you share tonight. Um, so I want to start off with some questions. We've got Grandma in the chat here <laughs> as an ally. We're going to be going to Pride Edinburgh. Landon and I are going to Pride Edinburgh with uh, my mother um, this Saturday. So we're really excited to hear about what what kind of thing do we need to know about our trans um, siblings. Can you tell us, Leon, a little bit about what's happening? We know worldwide it is not a good situation right now. And as most of our audience tends to be over in America, um, these things often will come up in the news. Can you talk about what's happening? So the United Kingdom obviously is made up yeah. of several countries. Your focus is um, your experiences in England. Yeah. So the, and there are separate laws there. What's what's happening uh, in England? What's not happening in England? Um, so the UK government banned all conversion therapy for everyone except for trans people. And I think that was like last year or the year before. And now they are trying to pass a bill that bans it for everyone. It's currently in its second reading at the Houses of Parliament. But they've also put it into practice that teachers now have to report to parents if their child is questioning the gender, which is just going to put thousands of millions of children at risk of abuse and harm and being kicked out and homeless. Like, I'm a safe parent. I wouldn't mind if my child was questioning their gender. But there's so many thousands of parents that aren't safe parents so yeah the uk government's just screwing trans people even more so at the moment if a child is in school and they are trans teachers or questioning or, or question yeah exactly or even um, questioning yeah so at the minute it doesn't they don't have to they are right. currently putting that into place for september okay. they're trying to push it before summer but the aim is from September onwards. If your child or if your child goes, hey, I don't know if I'm straight or what, they have to report it to the parents. Um, I mean, that's really, really worrying. Um, 
Bear in mind, most of our schools are church schools. Right. Is there time to do anything about that? Is that still up for debate or is this an inevitability? It's, it's an inevitability. Okay. Leon, do you know, have we, is there been a groundswell of people writing to their MPs and saying... Yeah, so Stonewall, if you go on to Stonewall, yeah, which is a UK charity, there's a template that literally you put your postcode in and it's pre-writ and all you have to do is press send and it sends it to your, GP, to your MP. MP. Um, I, I'm going to pop a link to that in the comments. Um yes. Really um, Leon, there's something else that, that has been, a, you know, I, I think this was maybe from a couple of years ago, but it's still having an impact today, obviously. Can you talk a little bit about the conversion therapy ban? Oh, my gosh. Which really? is wonderful, right? There is a ban on yeah. conversion therapy. Could you explain that a little bit? So they've banned conversion therapy for people that are gay, for people that are lesbian, for people that are queer, essentially, but then they didn't ban it they didn't go as far to ban it for trans people which is what the issue is is they banned it so you can't be forced to go to a gay camp an anti-gay camp essentially be i don't know i don't know what they do at those camps i've never been to one luckily um but i'm assuming they force you to be straight and pray to be straight but yeah that has essentially now been banned in the uk and if anyone is caught doing it you will get jail time mm -hmm. like um, if it's under for someone under 18 it's child abuse, yeah. essentially. You will be done for child abuse. But for someone over 18 that's not vulnerable, you'll still get jail time or it just won't be as rough. Okay. And where do where do um where, where does the transgender and non-binary sorry, non-binary community fit in, in that legislation? So trans it didn't get it didn't get banned for trans people, which is what we're currently working on with MPs, and it is in Parliament at the minute. So it's mm -hmm. going to Parliament and then the House of Lords. So it goes through two processes of being, I don't know, checked off if allowed. Non-binary, I don't actually know where that, where would that would sit under trans or queer. Goes on mm -hmm. the UK government's, I don't know, version of what they think of that. But yeah, so... Yeah, they banned it initially, and everyone was like, yes. And then they're like, yeah, but not for trans people. And they did that on Trans Day Visibility last year. Wow. Just as an extra stab wound. Um, so what we're noticing across the world is um, a definite attack on trans. specifically transgender, the transgender yeah. community. Um while there's a lot of progress being made uh, for the LGBTQ, sorry, the LGBT community, um, the trans community seem to be particularly vulnerable right now. Um, Landon, you are the youngest of the the group that's speaking today, and you have this really um, this perspective that is most needed because a lot of these things that are being put into place um, di are directly affecting you in that age group so when we're talking about trans kids in schools we're talking about you um could you speak a little bit about what was happening in scotland around the laws so we have our own devolved parliament and it can make its own legislation in this area that is a devolved power um could you speak a little bit about yeah. what we saw last year 
Um, so there was a gender recognition reform bill that was going through and it passed. It was with a wide majority it passed and it was just to allow trans people to identify easier and to just be affirmed in their gender. Um, and we were at the protest outside of parliament while it was like being, um, like going through the motions and we were, you know, we were showing our support and there were obviously the opposing side were also there being all mm, and then it came out that Westminster was blocking it and that um in fact Scotland you don't get to make a choice in this um it doesn't matter what you want because you're still part of the rest of the UK and we don't want trans people to have these you know rights so it was um kind of a blow to the chest I was like oh I thought I was gonna get something special here because one of the main points of like um you know anguish was the fact that it was lowering the age a wee bit so that people my age would be able to do the identification stuff but um no one likes someone 16 like being able to choose anything about their life Right. And and so I um, I'm just going to pop this up on the screen because um, this this was something that was really, you know, really important. Um, the BBC and lots of news outlets were covering that. We have our land in there right in the front row, um, you know, as part of that really joyful protest. Um, there were members of different uh, faiths and, mem you know, people of no faith. And I think what was quite um, jarring to me was, um, yeah, the counter protesters Oh, it, it it felt really really uncomfortable I mean they just they, they were so angry whereas this was a real sort of celebration I feel like we you know friendships were being made and people were so affirming to each other um both allies and members of the trans community it, it was a beautiful moment and so from this photograph it passes the the now the debates that had happened up until that point um the debates in the Scottish Parliament were full of um, misinformation, um, really transphobic things that were being said and were completely missing the point. You know, Clearly, you haven't read this legislation because the Gender Reform Bill wasn't about who can use toilets. Um, those rights are already enshrined in, your, in, in the law. Your, your human rights um, are, are protected. This was about making it possible for you to not have like what how does the how does the gender recognition bill how would that benefit you specifically um I would just be able to state and have it proven that I am my gender that it's not um that is legally recognized um because right now when I go to school in that um it's always like a fear like it's a roulette will they will they won't they get my pronouns right get my gender right, um, get my name right to a degree, because even though I go by Landon and I've been openly Landon since I moved here, um, people still have my dead name on things, on documents, because they say they can't change it. And it's like, well, you can. You're just looking for a reason not to. Um, so it's just, I want to be comfortable in my own skin. And that bell was going to be a big part of that. Right, exactly. Um, so, and that was, while passed in the Scottish Parliament, that was blocked in 
uh, Westminster in the UK Parliament, and there's still a lot of tension about that and some you know protests around it. Uh, Scotland uh, was so excited about this, and uh, yeah, so there's there's issues around the democracy, absolutely. Um, Landon, would it be okay if I ask you to maybe comment a little bit more about what you were saying about your experience um, of living as a young person who's trans? What's your school experience like? Mm -hmm. um, for the most part, it's people know I'm trans. Um, my social media is all openly um, me being out. Um, I, I just don't, you know, it's not hidden from anyone, all the staff know. But when you go to school and it's with students who are so hurtful, like I get hate crimed a lot, like physically, verbally, um, like slurs thrown over the place. Um, teachers won't correct themselves usually unless they're talking to my guardians, which then they'll suddenly be like, oh, um, this is someone who can actually get me into trouble. So I'm gonna, you know, correct myself right now. Um, but generally it's a lot of uncomfortableness, like in how I have to dress and, what toilets I'm expected to use because they'll just tell you to use a tra uh, disabled toilet. They'll tell you to use an accessible toilet if you're trans, like to change in PE in that. And I don't feel comfortable with the insinuation there. It's like, yeah, don't do that. Um, also, I'm not, I'm not someone who needs to use an accessible toilet. So it feels wrong, especially living with someone who does have to use those toilets. Yeah. to use those toilets so it's really the most uncomfortable experience for me as a trans person is going to school um when when you say so teachers are not good at remembering pronouns do, do you feel like they understand the need for pronoun respect or i don't think they understand at all um if i had it my way I'd have them introducing their own pro like pronouns at the start of the year in that because that's setting a good example I don't like if you're cis you still need to be sharing your pronouns it's you know mm. just decency Leon uh, speak to me a little bit about pronouns how does respecting your pronouns uh why does it matter my, I mean, my four-year-old respects people's that. pronouns. <laughs> yeah, I know my four-year-old respects pronouns. And like, anytime I'll meet someone new, she'll go up and be like, hi, what's your name? What are your pronouns? And yeah, it's important. It's someone's mental health at the end of the day. If you call someone by the wrong pronoun, you're, can we swear? You're messing Please. someone's pronoun. You're messing someone's mental health up. Because the minute you say, oh, hey, this is she, and they're he or they, it's going to screw their mental health up and send them into a depression or an mm -hmm. anxiety attack. Or, yeah, just try. Just try. It's I, hard. Don't yeah, get I don't I, want I to police your language, Leon, so you express yourself <laughs> in whatever way you wish. I'm okay. also being aware that my four and a half year old is on the other side of the bedroom <laughs> at the same time. But yeah, it's just like I still mess up with pronouns and I'm a part of the community. Hmm. We we mess up, it happens, but go, oh, sorry, or just correct yourself. Mm. It's not hard to do my four-year-old, yeah. does it? There's a, there's a difference between, I think, messing up. Um, and I, just not doing it. 
my, my kids, yeah. uh, I can't even get their names right. <laughs> Never yeah. mind their pronouns. Um, it, it, like you know, it's it's a thing. We're gonna we're gonna get things wrong when we go into autopilot. But um, I, I think also what I see is people who are trying, but then really panic because they've said the wrong thing, and then you have to make us feel better because oh no, we messed it up, and it's sort of drawing more attention to it. Um, so what? What do I need to know um, about, okay, Landon's pronouns, I think, are, are really interesting because mm -hmm. there are quite a few of them. Uh, okay, let's, let's, go, let's go from the beginning. Why are, the, isn't it just he, him? Why isn't it just he, him or she, her? Because it's a spectrum. Uh -huh. It's so a spectrum those... of gender <laughs> pronouns. Yeah. So, but we, we are taught, um, so we, this is obviously, you know, a, a, a podcast that has this background in a, a high demand religion. And we've all had different experiences within that. And we're, you know, we'll talk a little bit about that shortly. But we are taught um, when we have a sort of biblical narrative things are very black and white there's heaven and hell there's you know how the creation looks there's the earth and sky and all that that separation there's a there's a binary that is often presented to us and it can be really hard to you know just sort of taking myself back to that headspace of male or female we're talking about sex organs and that's what the definition is it seems really obvious that there is a spectrum but it isn't for those of us who have been trained in. So would you maybe patronise us? Would it be would it be okay to ask you to, to patronise your, like, that really patronising question? Um, I mean, sorry, could you explain a little bit about why it's not a binary? London may have to help me, because I'm still blaming myself. Yeah, with no, me all the, awesome. I've only been out for a few years. I'm, I'm what you call a baby trans. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I'm a baby gay. <laughs> um, it's... So what I've always taught, and luckily I didn't grow up in a high-demand religion, I grew up in a pretty standard house. So if in doubt, you always go for they. Because you don't know who they are. Like, So the way we got taught is I've got a friend, I don't know how to explain it. So for example, my mum's name is Tracy. And that's a male name and a female name in some countries, right? So you go, this is my friend Tracy. They work in hospital care because mm -hmm. you can't assume people are gonna know their gender or know who you're talking about if, especially with a gender neutral name and then i'm trying to think of the words <laughs> but yeah it's hard to just categorize male and female and i know for high demand religion that's all it is is it's man or woman man or woman man mm -hmm. in the bible it's man or woman and then when you get introduced to this whole new world, you're like, wait, there's more than one gender or one pronoun? And it's just, yeah. it's hard. I struggle to get my head around it. I'm learning about all the different types of pronouns in the spectrum. And it's just, you have to just be willing to learn, is my thing. And ask, mm -hmm. ask questions. We don't get offended if you ask questions. I love that. I love that. And and I really appreciate the labour that you are both putting in this evening to um, answer these 
really patronising questions that are so bloody obvious, but so many of us, we, we are just not educated about. Um, Landon, there is no gender binary. There is no, uh, what, what, do you, what do we mean there's a spectrum? Because this is huge news to so many of us. Um, well, I think I typically, I compare it now to autism in that. Like, there's no one way to be trans. There's no one way to be cisgender. There's no one way to be anything. Like, how I perceive my gender will be completely different from how another gender-fluid person would see theirs. How I use my pronouns will be completely different from how any of you will use yours because we all see it in a different way. And so gender, the gender binary, like, being it's, it's such a spectrum and it is just all about how you perceive yourself um, and then it then goes to how you want others to then perceive you. So my my pronouns don't always link to how I'll dress. Um, like right now, she is included in my pronouns, but I'm dressing more masculinely. Um, and that's a big part of me being non-binary is the fact that I break gender norms. Um, and that's just always been part of who I am. I, that is really, really helpful. Do you mind if I ask, um, Leon had alluded to um, sort of mental health issues that, that can uh, frequently happen um, in the transgender community as a result of being unsupported. Do you mind me asking specifically, if, if I'm not using the right pronoun for you or if I'm making an assumption about what your pronoun is, what, how does that harm? Is, why is it a big deal? Um, well, first of all, it can make me feel physically sick. Like it's a really nauseous feeling. Like when I used to get car sick a lot, it's like deep in the pit of your stomach. And it's this feeling of like dread, like this isn't, this is how people see you. And then that affects how you see yourself because if other people are seeing you in this way that you don't want to be seen, then slowly you start believing that as well. And I know when I get misgendered or dead named it it's frustrating but it's harder because it's just sad you just feel sad you feel like anytime that anyone's misgendered you like that feels like it's you know coming back to you so if you've had a trauma like traumatic experience with someone else misgendering you you know that will come back to my mind that will that will hit me all over again and it's it's really painful because usually it's out in public as well when it'll happen. And so you just have to kind of get on with it and you can't start a fight. Like if you start a fight over this, you know, you're not going to look like a good person. Um, if you, if you, some people don't take well to you correcting them. Some people will get up in your face because they feel attacked, but they're not really angry most of the time at you, it's themselves. And it's complicated, I'd say. Mm, thank you so much for that. What you described there, um, you know, that, that physical feeling, could we talk more about that physical feeling? So is that what dysphoria is? Is that what gender dysphoria is? Could maybe we'll start with you, Leon, could, could you speak a little bit about and, you know, what what is it that's happening when to you when you are not living as a gender? That or if that's been imposed on you and that's not your gender, you just hate everything about you, which is what gender dysphoria is. Is you, you physically 
just hate every part about your body. Like you look in the mirror and you just want to cut it all off. Which is, I started with the hair. I shaved the hair off. The hair was the first thing gone at 16. But yeah, it's just, I don't know. I obviously have different reactions to London. Um, I don't get physically sick anymore <laughs> from being dead named or called the wrong pronoun. I I do start fights, by the way, <laughs> if someone does it on purpose. If someone does it genuinely by accident, I still have people in my life that I love dearly that will still call me the wrong pronoun. And I know it's a complete accident and I know it's not malicious. But yeah, if someone does it on purpose, I, I'm the person that does start fights, that does give us a bad name. Um, does that happen often that people do it on purpose? You wouldn't have no idea, especially in England. Shock mm. I live in the transphobic place. But yeah, it happens quite a lot. Um, it happened quite a lot with a lot of my old friend group. I don't. I have a very small friendship group now because they would just not even bother to try. And it was church people. It was from different types of churches. So I'd be like, see ya. Yeah, it would happen quite a lot. And I'd be like, yeah, bye. I just, I was old enough that I could just cut ties and never see them again. Um, Landon, what does dysphoria, um, what, what's that like for, for you? I know you talked about the physical symptoms there. What what else is that like? Um, well, mine changes sometimes even hourly because I'm so fluid with my gender that I don't have control over what shapes it. Um, sometimes it's certain people. Sometimes it's just an emotion that day. But usually I wake up and I have to ask myself what's going on. Um but it's, that's why it's so difficult because I didn't realise, I, I would have learned, realised I was trans much sooner, I think, if I experienced dysphoria in a more regular way, like sense, because I like being feminine and I like girl clothes and I like all that stuff, but it just depends on the day. So when I feel the most dysphoria is whenever it's a masculine day because obviously I'm in an AFAB, bob, uh, AFAB body, assigned female at birth. And that's, you know, it's just things like having breasts. You like wear your binder as tight as possible for as long as possible. And, you know, it's risky and even in hot weather. And you'll, you know, there is like Leon said that you want to cut it off. You want to cut them off. You don't want them. That's actually like get them off of me right now. But then the next day for me, I can be just like not caring. I can be apathetic toward them, like towards them. It's not, they're not always so repulsive to me. It's just when they are, it's the hardest thing ever. Oh, thank you so much for sharing that. Um, I, I wonder because you sound so um you know clear and you can express this really well and you know you're you're talking about the days where you know the, the days where maybe the dysphoria isn't uh, quite as as overpowering but i have seen you in those moments where you have you know looked at looked in front of a mirror and just you know you are not able to function um in, in that moment you are so distressed that um to expect you to carry on with normal day-to-day -day activities would be would be impossible um and i and i wonder just how much um training is needed both for you know us as as parents uh for for teachers for just people in the community um for faith groups um i'm gonna 
bring safeguarding in a little bit here. Um, what I'd like to do, I'm going to come to you, Sarah, and ask, because um, I, I feel like you've got a question, a comment. How do our transgender community fit uh, within safeguarding? What's what's needed? Because we're, we're aware now there, there are some complex issues. They are clearly, these guests, they are not feeling safe everywhere um, in their day-to-day -day lives in places we would expect them to feel safe. Um, once I come to you, I, I want to ask about the safety around using binders um, because that seems to be something that can be quite controversial. Um, so I'd like to I'd like to maybe dispel a few myths around that, if that's okay. Sarah, what what are you thinking? Sarah, you're you're muted at the moment. <laughs> this is when we do a radio free Mormon impression. You're yeah, muted. radio free Mormon is over. I'm now unmuted. <laughs> I'm thinking a lot of things at the moment, an awful lot of things, because everything we've been hearing is incredibly powerful. And I'm really grateful that we've got the opportunity to do this and have this discussion. I think we, we need to be really clear that our transgender community are a vulnerable group. And it it's really frustrating that they are a vulnerable group, because what makes our transgender community vulnerable are the attitudes of society. And that's problematic. We Because we have homophobic transphobic because we have all these problematic attitudes and problematic values and beliefs within our society particularly within religion particularly within high demand religion and probably some parts of the country are probably more problematic than others you know there's going to be geographical and all kind of cultural differences but what is frustrating is that we have a group of majority views and attitudes that are forcing a vulnerability upon another group of people because you shouldn't need to be vulnerable if you're trans, trans you know we should have this it's okay what's the problem what's the problem let's all just do what we're doing let's live our lives let's be who we are let's express who we are let's live our lives as who we are and when majority attitudes are preventing that we've got a problem as a society so, so that really concerns me the other bit that hugely concerns me is the level of hate crime that trans people are experiencing we've got Landon talking about just the experience of trying to go to school every day and being hate crimed every day that is completely unacceptable it's completely not okay. And the difficulty with it is why is it not being recognised as a cause of significant multiple trauma? Because when you're being hate crimed every day of your life, everywhere you go, then that is each time it's adding another layer of that trauma. And it's that that then increases vulnerability, vulnerability to poor mental health, vulnerability to self-harm, vulnerability, <coughs> to struggling with your own identity and image of yourself and how you feel about yourself, and vulnerability to feeling safe, to going to society and joining community activities, education, employment, relationships, and all the things that people should be able to do. So what we really have at the core of the vulnerability of our trans community, <coughs> I have to excuse me, I'm sorry, I'm coughing rather a lot tonight. We've got attitudes that are causing this harm. The other sort of vulnerability that really concerns me is physical health. <coughs> <coughs> Excuse me. 
physical health isn't a major problem. And one of the things that I wanted to ask London, if and if you're not okay answering this question, London, just tell me move on. But I'm really concerned about how you access healthcare and your experience of that. Just normal healthcare. You go to the doctors, you've got a cough, you've got a sore throat, you've got a poorly big toe. How do you access healthcare? <coughs> in <the same> um, <coughs> so I don't really at the moment have much. It's already difficult with post COVID. Um, you don't really around here, it's so backlogged that I've not been getting, you know, to a dentist to do anything. I've not seen like a dentist in years. So normally I don't have to be worried. But when I have been to the hospital and stuff, even being in a space like that, there's a lot of misgendering and mm -hmm. you feel uncomfortable because you think these are people who are supposed to be able to help you with things. And then trying to get gender affirming healthcare is a completely different problem where you can, the lists are so long and yeah. everyone ends up having to save up money and go private with it, um, which is where I'm gonna end up because it's already been a couple of years and I don't see it freeing up space anytime soon. So I'm really um, relying on myself for um any kind of that stuff and that again is a massive way of increasing vulnerability isn't it if people can't access healthcare safely the other bit that alarms me greatly alarms me and we've known about this for some time is this problem with bills that are going through parliament and this problem with pressure around schools having to talk to parents and having to talk to guardians, because what we're actually saying to some of our kids that are incredibly vulnerable is you might not be able to talk to your parents about this because your parents or family might not be okay with this, but neither can you now talk to a safe person in school. So where, where are our trans kids going to go for help? Fantastic mm -hmm. for the ones that have Jane as a mum, but not everyone does. <laughs> so where, where are our trans kids going? to go to be able to talk to somebody for support, for help, to be able to just process what's going on for themselves. If school is shut down because the message gets out there that this isn't safe, if you're even thinking or questioning, we're going to have to talk to your parents, then you can't even have a conversation with somebody to kind of say, do you know what, I'm just thinking about this, just wondering about this, don't really know what I think, don't really know what I feel. You can't even have that exploratory discussion with somebody in safety. And that is incredibly dangerous. And then you put all those vulnerabilities together, like difficulty in accessing healthcare, continuous hate crime that isn't being resolved, isn't being treated, lack of professional support, not being able to talk to safe adults because those doors have been closed. Well, actually, the risks to the trans community then, and our trans young people very particularly, the risk to them of being exploited and abused by people around them is significantly increased. Absolutely. Significantly um, increased because, because, believe me, sex offenders, groomers, exploitation traffickers will identify that vulnerability and will know how to exploit and use it. So it's really concerning that we're blocking off access to support in every avenue, education, health, every avenue, we're blocking off that access to support and in attitudes are increasing vulnerability. And why are we not dealing with hate crime? Why are we not dealing with it? 
Absolutely. I'm going to jump onto um, this. Hopefully, I'll be able to read it to you. Um, some statistics and facts from the Center for uh, Suicide Prevention. So this is this is a, a US organization. Um, somewhere up to 43% it's estimated um, and these are older stats of transgender people have attempted suicide in their lifetime 10% um, of trans people report recently attempting suicide within the previous year um, trans people are twice as likely to think about and attempt suicide than the rest of the LGBTQ community and two-thirds of trans youth report uh, that they have self-harmed as a way to cope. Um, we know that we're, and, and I'm, we're going to talk about clothing too because that's really important, but we know that when someone is using the correct pronouns, the, the pronouns that are preferred for uh, someone who is trans, that the risk of suicide uh, goes from being it's horrific, more likely that they're going to die by suicide than they're going to live. It's, I mean, not even just more likely that they're going to, that they're going to, you know, die for a whole host of functions. It's more likely that they're going to take their lives than they're going to live. And that that horrifies me. Um, and it was one of the first things that, that we were sort of aware as, um, as Landon came into our lives, that um, there is serious risk to us losing this child here and this needs to be taken care of as a as a health issue as well as a mental health issue and um, just sort of coping in the world when someone's pronouns are respected and used that risk goes down to almost normal it, you become on par with the same risk as the rest of the population of dying by suicide and that I think tells us so much about what we know we need to know about why it's important to use pronouns. That even if that part of you that hasn't quite got there in your mind yet, if you just don't quite understand, but you're gonna respect someone's pronouns, it's it, it's a life saving thing. Um, so that's something that I wanted to to emphasise um, and just to just to honour those people who are part of our community that we haven't been that safe space for um talk to me a little bit about uh because just because it came up it's a controversial subject uh, talk to me about binders um i have a, a friend who had mentioned the have the, there's a charity called mermaids which is a really great charity which offers um in my experience um which offers training and um, information for both adults professionals um and uh, children and young people who are who may have um, questions or uh, needs around transgender issues. If you if you feel that you're trans, it's a um, it's a resource that you're quite often signposted to, and I believe it's a really good resource. But I remember a, a friend of mine sort of saying that they felt it was really really worrying. It's not a healthy place to go because they encourage young people to bind their chests. Now, could you talk a little bit about some of those those myths, um, Leon? Uh, why it's important? Why it could be considered a bad thing? Um, what what's talk to me a little bit about binders. So binders can be both, they can be dangerous, I will admit them. They can be dangerous if you use wrong, note the word wrongly. 
So if you mm-hmm. get your first binder and it's too small, you're going to do some serious damage to your chest tissue and to your ribs and to your internal organs. So if you use wrong, dangerous. But if you use right and done. And so the way I got told and I went to an older friend that was trans when I first started binding is you wear it for 20 minutes a day for the first week. So you do it in segments. You work up to wearing it for a full eight-hour day at school or at work or wherever. So if you... If you go out and wear it for eight hours straight off, you're going to do some serious damage to your ribs mm-hmm. and cause serious breathing issues. Eddie's here, did that, and couldn't breathe for like a week properly because I'd done so much damage that I bruised my ribs. So yeah. I've done it. I've gone down the wrong way. I binded for 10 hours at work in a warehouse and caused myself, I think, to have two, three weeks off work to recover. So they can be dangerous if used wrong. If used right and under, I don't really want to say adult supervision, but if you're a younger person, get someone that you trust. If you've got someone that you trust and be like, listen, I want to start binding, help me to find the right information. Obviously, if you don't have that, you can go to the internet and read all the wrong things that are on the internet because Dr. <laughs> Google isn't always right, people. Um, But yeah, go to a trusted website that's GC2B there's oh gosh there's other websites that um medically trained people make the binders oh okay that's really interesting just don't go buy one off amazon do not buy binders off amazon (laughs) do not buy a binder (laughs) off amazon i love amazon i will buy in for everything else but they the sizes are too small they are made yeah yeah they're not made for fat people i'm gonna say this i'm a fat person i ordered my normal because they tell you to order your normal bra size, what would be your normal bra size. So I ordered my normal bra size. It was two sizes too small. Um, do you mind me asking, uh, why wouldn't a sports bra have that? I mean, couldn't you use a sports bra, go down a size? Would that? No. Same issue. You're going to cause mm-hmm. breathing issues. Also, okay. don't double up on sports bras. Don't do it. Just don't. There was a method that I found when I first started where you put one on and then put the other one on backwards and it has the same effect as binders. Don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. If I catch anyone I need to do it, I'm going to cut the bras off myself. <laughs> I will I take that. a pair of scissors. This is what's so helpful, and I think that this is what the resource like having that safe place to go. Now, I'm, I'm using Mermaids, the organisation, as an example. Um because they do have this information that if you're going to use a binder, these are the risks and how you do it safely is this way. Now, ideally, like you say, there, there's someone safe who could explain that to you. Um, the problem is often, you know, we don't have a background and I, I don't really know what binder. I mean, so Landon, you know, was with us for a, a, a you know very, very short while and had just, you know, mentioned binder you know like just what would be the possibility around this and I'm having to check I'm like okay I think it might be this but I don't want to assume are we talking about stationary do do you do you do do you need like you mean like a folder binder or like let's be let's be specific um and anyway yes so so we had to be educated Landon talk to us a little bit about the safety around binders 
Um, so binders are obviously the safe option for binding. Like people would use bandages and that, and they're not always affordable. Mm-hmm. That's dangerous. Yeah. I've never binded with anything but a binder. I'm wearing mine right now. Um and I've I've never um attempted anything else and I wouldn't um because I've got a big fear around permanent damage. Um but that being said, I'm someone who kind of pushes the rules of wearing a binder um because school days for me are normally what nine hours long. I'm up sometimes some between five and six AM um and then I'm in I don't get home until around five PM sometimes. And by that point I've been wearing a binder um for so long that day that it's mm-hmm. genuinely a risk. Um but school clothes they're not flattering to the they won't help, they won't hide anything. Um, so it's, especially in this heat, it's so warm. What was it like, um, 27 degrees and I was in school mm. in a binder and I had to leave the room because the room I was in was maybe like 30 degrees. It was so warm. And I, I, I'd i been wearing this tight binder since 6 a.m. and it was like 2 p.m. and I was, I was struggling to breathe and I hadn't drank anything since like 6 a.m. So it was, dreadful but then when you go to get help saying i need to take this binder off for a minute the teacher doesn't understand what that is and so she thinks it's just like you undoing your bra clasp a little and putting it down to a lower setting when in fact i need this fully off for a wee while um but didn't go through her head and so i had to immediately just put it back on and go right back to that room and wait for another hour for school to finish so when i do my binding, it's not always the safest. And when I try to get help for it, it doesn't always actually end up helpful to me um, in any way. Trans tape is an option. So if you've got smaller breasts, trans tape is a thing. Doesn't work on big boobs, sorry guys. You have to be like, I think it's Mm -hmm. a C cup or smaller and you essentially tape your boob round and up. So you like, Mm -hmm. Not obviously going to share my boob, but you tape it up here, like mm. under your armpit, so you can't tell that you've got breast and it flattens your chest the same way. But same mm. issues, same. Wear it sensibly. Don't wear it for ten hours a day. And so. I and I think there's a and I think there's a real issue again back to the accessibility of healthcare. Is how do you if you feel that you have injured yourself through wearing a binder, or you feel that something is not right? You're struggling to breathe. You're in pain. You've taken it off. You're still in pain. You're struggling. How do you access healthcare if you feel you're going to be judged or criticised or you simply don't. told don't do that again? You don't. You lie. You know, it's, I think that becomes really mm. problematic as well. Right. I like. Okay. And so there we've got another, you know, another huge problem, haven't we? How can you be completely kind of open with the GP or health service anywhere if you feel that you're not going to be understood and you're going to be judged for it? And they're going to just say, well, the problem's simple. This is causing you breathing difficulties. This is causing don't you pain. It. Don't wear it. Just do it. Because yeah. it doesn't work like that. So that's... Actually, Sarah, what what you're saying is, um, you know, I I think this is where training, especially, you know, I'm I'm thinking about young people because that's what we're experiencing right now, um, that we're teachers to be trained, shooting the messenger that is, you know, an organisation, 
you know, for, for providing healthcare information about how to do something safely um, is, is probably not helpful. It's not putting ideas into kids' heads. Um, you know, when, when we had... Um, when Leon and, and Landon had it, because, you know, we, we're all we're friends and, of course, Landon's in our lives and um, Leon introduces, you know, um, if, if you need to talk to someone, if you need advice on binders or any of those kind of things. And, you know, someone who can be a trusted person, that is so wow. helpful. Uh, wow. What is, you know, the unfortunately, the fears that many of us have around the whole idea, um, oh my goodness, we don't want you talking about binders or you're putting it into our kids' heads. And right. that's not what's happening. Kids are right. unable to access this healthcare. Yeah. Um, it seems really obvious, um, you know, for example, what, what you're what you're talking about, Landon, you you haven't had a drink for um you know, since 6 a.m. So so have a drink, you're not gonna get so hot. And yeah. but everything that you're physically experiencing from starting with the you know the dysphoria you're doing all of these things to mitigate it but you also you know we, we are super aware that you're dehydrating yourself so that you don't have to go through that terrible experience of having to use bathrooms in a school day that brings up all of that stuff mm. um you know that, that encourages utis and the, the sort of health uh, risks around that uh the the wearing of a binder the, i mean these these mm. things seem so simple ask for a drink, take it off. But without understanding what it is you're actually experiencing without asking you, how, yeah. are, you, how are we going to make those changes? And actually, in a school set, just that you're in a school setting, how are you going to go about telling a particular teacher that that is what's happening for you and that's the issue? If that teacher has dead-named you, misgendered you, or ignored hate crime that's gone on in front of their eyes to you? You know, how do you then go to that person for help? Which is another huge problem around safeguarding our trans kids, isn't it? How do we do that if we're not actually showing in some way that, you know what, I hear hate crime, I'm, I'm getting in there, I'm dealing with it, I'm not, I'm not tolerating it. How do we safeguard um, if we're not doing that? Sarah, I'm going to come back again in a minute to a bit of expertise that you have, or some, you know, a few things we were talking about um, last week um, as we were we were having a chat. Um, Landon, just to sort of close out the section, I'd, I'd like both you and Leon to talk about clothing, sort of out with binders, and how any sort of barriers to, um, you know, that, that you find there. Um, particularly for you, Landon, I'm aware that the school uniform is an issue so would you speak a little bit about just mm -hmm. what the expectations are of you um so my expectations are that I'm to wear full school uniform um all the time in school um that's the expectations for everyone that also currently you're not allowed any hoodies in the school or anything that zips up with a hood you're not supposed to wear that in school um but I especially recently I've been struggling to wear any kind of uniform usually like I've been wearing a skirt but that doesn't work most of the time um and then the uniform it's even when you get boy fit stuff you have big thighs and you have hips and that's going to show so you can't hide that just because it's boy fit unless it's super super baggy which they also don't like you wearing they want you to look smart and proper. And so then I turn up to school in, you know, a really baggy shirt and jeans and something thrown over top that's also really baggy to like hide my shape more. And I get um, into trouble and I get people commenting on it. And 
telling me that you know you should be wearing your uniform right now and it's I it's either I wear this stuff and not a binder that day so that I can actually let my ribs recover or I don't wear this but I wear a binder all week and probably permanently damage my ribs and my breathing so it's not there's no winning for that situation Mm -hmm. at all thank you for sharing um I I, I remember I'm experiencing um teaching staff as as I'm interacting with them as a guardian that um who are you know supportive and saying you know saying all the right things and um just looking for guidance and and information where what really needs to happen is they need to have training they need to have ongoing training and actually things need to happen um for the entirety of the school um to help to help people understand what's what your experience is and that of other transgender kids um but you know i I do remember that comment just um, just the other week you know well you know landon landon you know wore a skirt the other day or landon was you know looked very smart the other day like you know the the other day is a very different day um so I, i think that's where training would be really helpful um so i i still have a crap ton of questions but now I want to bring some Mormonism in before I uh, ask some more questions about pride flags, neo-pronouns, uh, drag queens. Let's bring the Mormons in, <laughs> in before we do that. Uh, Leon, where does where does Mormonism sit with oh, you? Where does Mormon? Oh, Mormonism. Oh, the joys. Um, so I got baptised at the age of 19, so I wasn't born and raised into a church my parents hated church so I just went for and the that's, walls that's the church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day yeah. Saints right so we're talking about the the, the big Brighamite tradition yeah, yeah. Okay. so I hadn't heard about the church until I was 18 when I met a random member on the street who got fixed my bike um yeah so I got baptized at 19 kind of lied in my baptismal interview about being gay Oh, right. Uh-huh. I thought you were going to be like, I lied about my age. Oh, you lied about being gay. Yeah, that was it. I lied about okay. being gay. Didn't tell anyone I was gay because I was like, they, someone t- I asked someone and like, yeah, you'd have to be interviewed by the mission president. Like it was a whole separate interview back then. I was like, yeah, no, I'm fine. Don't Did really you know you were thing. gay at that point? Yeah. Oh, God, yeah. I've, I've known for <laughs> years. I just hadn't okay. come out to anyone. Oh um, right, okay. That makes sense. So okay. my family aren't the best. <laughs> but we're getting better. <laughs> Not that there's a grandchild involved. We're getting a lot better. Um but when I was younger, my family weren't the greatest towards LGBTQ people. So I didn't come out. Um but yeah, so lighting my interview questions lasted four years, 19, 20, 21, lasted three years in the church before I left. Because of you various leave? things. Oh, why didn't I tell you? Abuse. Okay. Uh, from sperm donor, who was a priesthood okay. member. Um, I'm very out about this. Mm-hmm. I've told thousands of people. Don't trust them. <laughs> um, I'm really and... sorry that happened, London. Um, Leon, <laughs> I'm so sorry that that's been your experience in church. I mean, the the, the first thing you see is abuse. You equate abuse. it with abuse. Um, hey. Obviously it will be great to take a really deep dive into into your story and experiences but you when you join the church at that stage there is immediately the 
bi- the binary. So you're not in primary with everyone else where sort of there's this, you know, at least it's a sort of, you know, all, all genders are included in that space. Young women's, young men's really really society and priesthood. Yeah. So how, I did, how did one that week of young women's. I did one week of young women's because I was 18 when I first started going. And the only reason I got to go to young women's was because my sister missionaries were teaching that lesson. And like, we can't really just throw you into a whole room of people that you don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, I was like, yeah, please don't. I will have an anxiety attack if you do that. Please don't. Um, and then I was straight into Relief Society and learning how to be a good mom and a good wife and how I should prepare myself to be an eternally good housewife. And I honestly sat at the back of all of my lessons on my phone, on Facebook. Right. Because, like, I'm, I was never going to become a parent. Um, wow. I had now have a child. <laughs> But yes, it was traumatic to say the least. That's what's happening, you know, externally. You're you're on your phone, but yeah. mentally, that must have been really. Di- I mean, I I have experienced those lessons and wanted to crawl out of my own skin. I found yeah. it so disturbing. I can't even imagine what what that's like for you. Um, it's and and so and you know, three years of that. That's that's a long three, long four time. Years. I left when I got pregnant. With small human, because I was like, I am not raising a child in this religion. I wanted out before she was born. I didn't want to get her a blessing. I didn't want, you know, the shame of being a single mom. Because we know single moms get that shame. We know single parents get that look when they walk into church with kids with no husband. Oh, we all, we all want. If, if you're comfortable to let, let's take a deep dive. If you'd be happy to do it, and we'll, yeah. we'll do a, we'll do a follow up chat because we have so many questions. Um, Landon, when you um realize you're a transgender child, and you go to live with a Mormon, a Mormon family. Well, you know, like I'm the only Mormon yeah, in the family, but as the boss of it, you know, um, yeah. So you go to live with your um really strict Mormon aunt. That should have been pretty horrific. Um, tell me what you were experiencing of um of Mormonism. Um, so obviously when I first came here, I wasn't really expecting you to be a person to force me into going to church or that, like. I don't know why I just wouldn't expect that from you. Um, and I'm spiritual anyway. I like going to churches. Um, I don't mind what one, as long as it's a, it's, a, it's a nice place and they're saying nice things. But then actually going to church with you, and it's very scary. Um, the men all come up and shake your hand really firmly. And it's a bit like, pal you don't have to like break my hand for this um i see you as the alpha male right now it's fine um temptation just to sweat up your hands before beforehand and just eh, eh. you don't want to do that again um but um and then you'd have people standing up and the things they'd say i don't know when people are bearing their testimonies and that sometimes you think oh that's what you're getting from some of these like teachings and that that's really unhealthy that's oh my goodness and then I'm trying to be respectful while also trying to like get on my phone and not have to listen to some of these people saying some really sad things and you're like no one's helping you right now no one's like doing the right thing right now or when people would come up and I'd sit with you and they were doing the the teachings and that and 
they're sat there saying some really problematic things and I'm sat there like, is no one else seeing this? No one else is seeing this? <laughs> so uh, so when, when London first came to... Uh, <laughs> right I remember I, I think someone thought they were gonna like get into a twitter fight with me I, I just remember <laughs> this this moment we, we were talking about what the experience was going to be like okay you're here we go to church this is that you go, there's a lot of mormon immersion even if you are not um engaging with it at all you know there's no expectation there's no you know because I recognize that this is potentially really harmful for you but you may hear some stuff and you know you you may have if you want to go to church it is there for you but we need to sort of protect you because you've already had these really traumatic experiences and further rejection is not going to be great for you right now so we so we sat down my, my twitter sort of post started that you know we we sat down with my trans kids and started to go through for the strength of youth and like Twitter was ready to get its earrings out and I was like no 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 it's okay to talk about the things that uh, we this is not what we teach in our home this is not how we see this in our home um, because I think that that sort of that that core message of the binary uh, sorry the, the 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 binary of what um what relationships should look like, uh, what what chastity, uh, what sexual uh, development looks like, all of those things that um, could potentially cause further harm to this specific child. Um, so, we, so we did that and, uh, and I was serving as a young women counsellor at the time, uh, Fantastic Relief Society president, uh, sorry, young women's president. And so we, during COVID, young women's is happening on the laptop so you you would get to come in mm -hmm. and experience a little bit about that so when you're talking about um the things you know it's been a, a while since landon has experienced young women's um young men's was never an option uh your gender wasn't really ever a, affirmed um or acknowledged in anything other than a sort of binary way but I you know I do remember you know the young women's theme um that we would recite together it was one of the really problematic things um we are daughters of our heavenly parents um and so what I would do whenever um it, it was either my turn to say it or whenever Landon was saying it is we just change it to we are children of our heavenly parents or I'm a child of our heavenly parents but there, I don't think there were there was much in the way of discussion about what could actually be done to affirm or support you. Um, did you find it fun? Did you did you like the young women's interaction, or or was it just a kind of switch off time? Um, it was all right. I feel like I'm a lot back then, especially very socially awkward with the girls. So it was a there was a bit of a disconnect for me very shy mostly sticking to myself um but I like being included in it I do like being included in things like that because I I do like the environment usually um because I'm not picky on my um on anything yeah. like that and I, I think also you were the uh, first really openly queer person that the ward had got to experience. And so although you've been quite sort of protected from what the ward community is really going to look like immersively, um, 
yeah, there are there are other queer kids now, which is you know out queer kids, which is fantastic to to see. Um, okay, I am going to jump to because we have this fantastic comment. Uh, our our friend of the show, um, your son came out as omnisexual. Oh my goodness! Let's go. Okay, tell us, educate us, Landon, omnisexual. Right, what? omnisexual. People compare it to pansexual. Pansexual is basically you see no gender, you don't care. You just like who you like. Omnisexual, from what I know, because I sometimes, my sexuality is so fluid that I switch between uh, multi-sexualities, like pan, like bi, like um, omni. So my experience of um, omnisexual is that you don't mind, you like all genders, but you have a favourite. Like, I like all of these things, but you're my favourite. So mm-hmm. if I were to say that, it's like, I don't have a preference for what person what gender any of that but I especially like if you're a bit more masculine type thing um and it's so interesting and I love it and the flag is really cute as well oh oh Mm. let's right okay we're gonna talk about (laughs) flags in a second um right so explain to me now I try to keep conversations about sexuality far 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 away from talking about being trans Mm-hmm. because you guys get sexualized mm-hmm. and uh so much and the conversations rather than it be about your gender become about your sex lives and mm-hmm. so we're we're just we're we're not going to we're not we're not going to entertain that but since we're having this conversation about being omnisexual okay isn't that just the same thing then as does that come under the bisexual umbrella so the bisexual Right, in the LGBTQIA acronym, the mm-hmm. bisexual is an umbrella. It's the umbrella for the multisexual thing, which includes omni, pan, bi, and polysexual as the main the main ones that I can list off the top of my head. So you can't list them all? Oh, I, I, oh I, I think you've just I listed wish. all of these already. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Um Okay, so then what about, uh, so leaving that for the moment to come back again, because we're going to talk about flags. Tell me about neo-pronouns. Right, neo-pronouns. So like they then was the non-binary, you're not, you're not she, her, you're not he, him. Um, That's the more, I hate to say, that's the more binary of the non-binaries. Neo-pronouns are what like less widely like widely used neo pronouns are um still pretty obscure um that's not to say they've not been used as commonly as other sets of pronouns i think neo pronouns have existed alongside other sets of pronouns as they've gone along but um neo pronouns tend to be like the most common one you'll hear maybe is zizar um yeah that's a common one these days so um, that looks like Z E yeah slash Z E I R Z I R actually Z I well the one okay. I use anyway but I think there's yeah. different spellings that's why it's so difficult like so I have currently nine sets of pronouns and only two of them are the binary ones the rest mm. of them non-binary so that includes ones like it it people don't like using it pronouns on me because they feel like they're you know um taking away my humanity 
but you know when it's a thing I feel it's a thing I feel um yeah but neo pronouns are essentially just wider non-binary pronouns mm-hmm um so I because I remember when when that was one of the the pronouns that you had you told me that you you preferred yeah that that was both a concern because I didn't want to dehumanize you but I also didn't want to uh, sound like I was a serial killer from Silence of the Lamb <laughs> it is in its room eating its food it just sounds so horrific um but if that's your pronoun that's what I gotta respect and yeah my my feelings or weirdness or the movies I've watched really don't get to inform that um okay uh Anything else about neo pronouns that we need to know? Uh, do, do we actually need them? Is it just like, you know, all of you Gen Z kids? Does it matter? Can't we just stick to the them? I feel like people will make up. There's different subsets of like the queer community. And sometimes there are people who will make new pronouns that are there to make fun of the community. So neo pronouns are tend to be a bit of a joke right now in the community because other people will be using things like cat slash cat self, mm. which I'm like, okay, mm. I see this and I raise you. Are you about to get us all double hate crimes um, with what you're yeah. doing right now? Because this is like a bit more whoa is this part of the queer community is this what we're going into now or is this more of a mm. fetish thing sorry um right right which is um oofed. because i i remember you you having that you know these experiences quite a few times actually where for example you like i would bump into you in the hall one morning and you'd be like i've got a new pronoun mm. and it's the the um the sense of uh, understanding about this aspect of yourself and I have this word for what I am right now um fear fear I think mm -hmm. was was one and and the, I mean there's a huge list um mm -hmm. that if that's how you can express you that must be so empowering so yeah I, I need to do much better about there using was, them there was an article in the one of it came up on my Facebook feed on in a newspaper the other day about a secondary school that had given kids forms and families to fill in for when they kind of started school in September. And they had 42 pronouns on there that they were asking kids to choose from. And parents and everybody was actually were, were going mad. They were kind of really complaining about this. They're like, 42 pronouns. Hey, come on, surely, you know, we could we can live with they, them, but come on, what are these 42 pronouns? Most of them I had never heard of because right. I had, and I'm thinking, oh, never heard that, never heard that, never heard that. Most of them I hadn't heard of. But it was really interesting. This one school was trying to say, okay, tell us, and you're starting school with us in September, so tell us what your pronoun is, and here's a list of 42. Mm -hmm. And, yeah, just another example of how that's been perceived by parents and the community um, negatively. We we found a, a hairdresser trying to find somewhere that will work with what what Landon needs and not have that sort of binary expectation. We had found a hairdresser mm. who, you know, we've been we've been mermaids trained, and when you book, 
select your pronouns and there's this huge big drop down list and right. you know, they're providing their it's pronouns so, so that you know okay. what respect they prefer i mean if businesses did that can you imagine if churches actually well we can't even get to like? oh, come on we can't even get to they and them can we well, 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 let's come back and we'll talk about the religion-y sort of side of things. But first of we all, will. I want to ask about, policy. let's ask about, yeah. guys, tell me, what <laughs> do I need to know about pride flags? Because we have so many. Now, the one in the middle on the top is the, for, for our audio listeners only, the one in the middle is a traditional rainbow pride flag. But if we scroll down, there are another couple I know there are more out there than this, uh, but the one in the bottom row middle is the newest Pride flag, is that right? Or the uh -huh. more updated the one? Sex okay. inclusive progress Pride flag. Okay, so uh, who wants to tell me this first one? It uh, We've got basically rainbow colours, but there's quite a lot within that, that spectrum. The Gilbert Baker Pride flag. Um, this is anyone want to why who who is Gilbert Gilbert Baker and why is that flag up there? Do you know? I, I don't know who Gilbert Baker is. I don't know who that is. I is okay. that the first pride flag though? Have have we lost Leon from the stream? So as soon as Leon's back, we we'll we'll, mm. we'll grab Leon in. Um I think something just, I, th I think we've had possibly a little technical issue with Leon. But what we have there is, um, okay, if I if I mouse over it, okay, so it's a Gilbert Baker flag and that's the original Pride flag um, that was created in 1978 after activist Harvey Milk. Um, and we've got Leon back. Thank goodness, because it's just not the same without you. Oh, Gilbert um, Baker, oh, yeah. Yeah. So, so this was the original pride flag that, that was designed. Yeah, yeah. Um, each colour represents a different part of the LGBTQ community. Hot pink represents sex. Red symbolises life. Orange stands for healing. Yellow equals sunlight. Green stands for nature. Turquoise symbolises magic and art. Indigo represents serenity. While violet symbolises the spirit of LGBTQ people. Awesome. Um, this one in the middle, the traditional pride flag, this is the one that you two conspired together to steal from the Christians. Is that right? Oh. Is mm -hmm. that what is that what happened? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's what happened. Okay. Um, so hold on. I'm I'm just gonna, I think we're having like still a little oh we have got you Leon that's good we've right. got Leon back Let, let's try this again yeah because it was looking a little bit weird there okay yeah so um the rainbow flag um did you did you steal it directly from Noah or did you take a more circuitous <laughs> route to do it <sighs> this this flag gives me joy so the traditional pride flag is um after the assassination of Harvey Milk, the rainbow flag was in high demand. So the hot pink stripe was removed. The turquoise stripe was removed. Um, and the six-color pride flag has represented the community for over 40 years. And it's the most common. Yeah. Um, but I, So I want to ask um, about this, this middle. This, so this one at the, bot uh, the bottom, right? this is the progress pride flag. And I noticed mm -hmm. that the trans colors are in there the white mm. pink and blue so yeah you you guys made progress you made it into the pride flag mm -hmm. which is awesome 
So why was a new one needed? Because this one here in the middle is the intersex inclusive progress pride flag. Um, tell me what. Tell me how do the how do the pride flags and the variety of them? How do they represent you? What what is? How do you connect with them? And why is it important to uh, for there to have even been a new one? Because the rainbow one existed. I think it's just a visibility. Like you can visibly see the trans flag as part yeah. of the queer community when you do that. You don't, mm. when people see the rainbow flag, I think everyone goes to sexuality rather than yes. gender. And so I like seeing that. And then obviously you've yeah. got the, the other couple colors on it, um, which are inclusive towards, you know, people of color and everyone who else like struggles to be seen in their communities. So it's really important to acknowledge that there are other parts of the community, like intersex people. People always assume, you know, male, female, that's all. You don't acknowledge intersex people. Intersex people exist. Yeah. You just, you cut that out because you have your own narrative yeah. and you don't want to be bothered explaining that, no, there is another group of people that I'm just gonna like roll over right now because they're not part yeah. of what I'm trying to tell you. Mm. And am I right in saying it is a bit of an issue, um, not just in society, but also within the LGBTQ community that um, trans rights aren't always acknowledged? Um, Leon, do you do you have any anything that you're thinking? Uh, you're on mute, um, Radio Free Leon. <laughs> We've almost got you. It might be that as your mic, uh, perhaps. Hold on, let me just see. Yeah, because it's you're not showing that you're muted, but there's possibly something going on with your mic. Um, even if you want to try logging out and logging back in again, we'll see if we'll see if we've got your audio back. Um, yeah, let's try. Let's try then. If if I maybe direct that question to you, Landon, is is it something? Do you feel included by the whole LGBTQ community? Um, no, you'll see, especially amongst um, like gay men and stuff you'll see a lot of disconnect between you know we're the outsiders of the outsiders mm. community um I think especially like I'm obviously trans masculine I'm not trans feminine if I um but trans women and trans feminine people they are the people most likely I think what was it we saw statistics on this when we watched the the documentary disclosure and it's they are like disproportionately like they're getting so much more hate crime trans women are than any other part of the community because mm. people just cannot understand and they see them as a threat and so i feel so strongly towards including my trans sisters and everything about the community because they deserve all the love in the world Absolutely. Um, Leon, I think we might have your audio back. Uh, do you, have you got any thoughts you'd like to share about the LGBTQ community in general? You're, we gotcha. <laughs> My internet's playing up. Sorry, y'all. That's absolutely um, fine. We do this every week and our internet is sometimes a potato. So, yes, it's good. <laughs> been a long bit. hard. I think what London said spot on. Like, we go to Pride and we get hate crime even from the community and it's just like yeah. we're supposed to be warm people fighting for the same thing hello mm. 
And you just want to punch people and knock some sense into them. But also, that would also be a hate crime <laughs> to them, <laughs> sadly. But, yeah, it happens. Mm-hmm. I think it goes on where you are in the world. It gets better or it gets worse. It is definitely demogra- geographical. And you just yeah. have to keep fighting. And to the point where I've seen trans pride, just just trans prides happening. Because trans people don't feel safe at normal prides. So, um, as I said, we're, we're heading mm. off to Pride uh, Edinburgh this weekend, mm. where we'll be, you know, shouting out for all of our, um, especially within the restoration traditions where there's been, a, and Christian community mm. where, you know, it's 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 just horrific, um, where, you know, this hasn't been the, the space that it is needed to be. So we'll be we'll be thinking about you all. Um, I, I wanted to ask about... Um, what things and and I feel like what I'm going to do is is come back and ask you whenever Leon we maybe do a deep dive I'd I'd like to talk about parenting and uh, what that looks like for for your family just just now but if if we sort of move towards um closing out as we prepare to go to pride and, and I'm thinking about how we can be a better ally naturally we sit in this podcasting space would you speak first of all Leon to what is it that your faith looks like just now and what an affirming faith could look like what a gender affirming faith could look like I love this question because I'm in a gender affirming church um so (gasps) where'd you find one of those I know it's a rare one it's a golden egg um, uh, yeah, yeah, and it's an amazing church, and I love it. And if it wasn't so I wanted to come out when I did, I probably would very much still be in a closet. Um, but yeah, so it's part of the restoration. It's part of the Mormonism church. It's an off branch called what used to be RLDS. So the re- what does it? it stands for something else? <laughs> but it's not. They now go by Community of Christ, and their main principles are worth of all persons, which means. Everyone's loved, everyone's included. They they're making active progress to make sure everyone's included. Um to gay people holding them the priesthood. <gasps> they also let women hold the priesthood, just as a shocker. Um, but yeah, they affirm. They I think I'd gone one week as my birth name because you know you don't want to go straight in there and be like, hey, I'm trans, because you don't know what the church is gonna be like. But within two, three weeks, I was on as Leon using he, him pronouns, and those slip-ups. I Bless this one lady, was like, I think you're logged on as someone else. And I was like, no, oh no, I've come out as trans. Like, oh my God, we're sorry. And that was it. So I, I remember meeting, so I, I've only ever known you as Leon, yeah. um, but I remember meeting Community of Christ for the first time at a Sunstone Glasgow event. And I mean... So I had always heard of Community of Christ as like, are they the edgy, fringy, like polygamy? No, no, right. So this was when the Brighamite church, when the church headed off with Brigham, the people who didn't, um, so it, it, we like, with Jews, I refer so. to it as, yeah, Emma's church and Joseph's son um, reorganized and it's now today become Community of Christ and they went through this huge period of, um, figuring out, uh, dealing with the demons of their past, like polygamy, um, 
what do we do about women in the priesthood and all of that stuff happens. So they've wrestled already with all of the questions that Latter-day Saints just haven't touched as an organisation. And so we sit in that really unhealthy space where we, we just don't talk about it. When when I met the gang at, uh, at Sunstone, I remember... Uh, they are so dear to us as a faith. They, they are they're definitely a spiritual home for for a lot of us twenty first century saints. Um, yeah. I remember asking Richard Barrington, who is a who is a seventeen Community of Christ. Um, oh, can can you can you explain about um you know about being gay and and, and Community of Christ? And he's like, it just was like such a that that's a question. And he's like, well, yeah. you don't have to be gay. <laughs> you can, you can, yeah. you can come if you're not. <laughs> and we were like, oh my goodness, and they yeah. are funny. So yeah, it's it's such an inclusive. They have a, a they have a, an inclusion hem. Leon, they have a freaking inclusion hem. We do, we do. We it's cool for everyone born, and it's gone through changes over the years, obviously, because we went. It wasn't originally, but it's everyone born a place at the table and it goes through verses like man and woman. And then they've put on a verse that's got queer and straight, trans. And it's just, it's essentially saying, we don't care who you are, come and sit with us. You know. And you're acknowledged in a head. You're seen and in just, a and Oh, wow. Just, Sorry, Sarah. Just, just a little tiny thing just to add to all of that amazing stuff that you said that we know to be so true of community of christ they will bless marriages of gay people they will marry and i think that's really important yeah. it's not just that you can be gay it's just not that you can hold the priesthood it's just not that you can serve it's just not that you can be gay safely and i think that's a really important word that you can be gay or trans safely going obviously going on the country yeah, because, because obviously well, we, yeah, we obey the law of the land. And I think we need to be acknowledged acknowledge if you're a community Christ in Uganda, it'd still be phenomenally dangerous. Yeah. You know, so there's there's problems there, obviously. But in countries where the law allows, they will you can be married if, which is absolutely fantastic when from a church that kind of just would not even entertain that, to know that you can hang out at community Christ and kind of you wouldn't be scared of falling in love you wouldn't be praying not to fall in love with somebody yes because of how complicated and difficult it would get you would be knowing if you did fall in love with somebody it would be okay and that that yeah. to me that's the biggest stark difference for me is if you're gay in the bigamite tradition the lds church then you would spend your life praying you're not going to fall in love with somebody mm -hmm. If you go in community of Christ, you pray that you fall, fall in love with somebody, fall in love with somebody, you know they're going to celebrate with you uh, and be there at your wedding and bless it. And being trans is, it's just okay. You know, you don't see trans people being treated any differently. It's kind of pretty cool. So the holy envy that I have though is that you also you you're not just um, not just accepted because just being accepted is huge that is one of the most incredible things that can happen but being affirmed you have you can have aspirations you can have so there are not only leadership opportunities could you talk about the about the uh the leadership um and in, in the church and how that's reflective of the lgbtq community and also what leadership opportunities are open to you 
you can do anything. You can be a 70. You can hold the priesthood. You can give blessings. You can do everything and normal. I don't want to say normal. So as and, as plain boring cisgender people can yeah, do. Yeah. So you can do anything that in the LDS church you wouldn't have been able to do. Wow. So I can, as a trans man, I can go and get the priesthood. Whereas in the LDS church, I'm not even allowed in priesthood meetings. Oh. Which sucks. Oh. But yeah, I can go and be 70. I can I can go be prophet if I wanted to be. If the people so choose. Right, exactly. And there are LGBTQ uh, members of the LGBTQ community and community of Christ leadership. Is that right? I as far as I think, so, I'm yeah, thinking about Laurie Lee Hall. Laurie Lee Lori Hall is one of the yeah. apostles, right? Yes, I so she, and she's a trans woman. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, um, and she she came from a rest, you know, a restoration background in the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter Day Saints. Was uh, designing temples and was you know a lot of responsibility and expectation. Yeah. And she has found you know, a, a faith where she's able to fully experience and lead and yeah. be listened to. And it's just super inspiring. It's She's an incredible woman. Um, Landon, what does faith look like for you at the moment? And I'm thinking about how it fits within the restoration. How does, how does Mormonism touch your life at the moment? Um, specifically, are do you get to go to church? Do you want to go to church? Um, I want to be able to go to church. Um, obviously, I do not go to church at the moment. Um, I can. It's not exactly a safe space. Um, I know. And and there's also there's obviously mass and that that we can attend up the road and that. But it's different when I know that Mormon church is your church and I'm wanting to be involved in that but it's like I just I can't it's not okay for me to be at the moment yeah yeah and and I think that's the the what is really difficult is that when you have experienced going to church yeah there's the weirdness we're, we're all thinking the same thing right <laughs> it's um testimonies it can be a bit of a roller coaster right um so it's you know all of that stuff happens but as your your community you are immersed in this community and you are reached out to when that happens with love you you know have supportive conversations um as people are asking you how you're doing people are nice when you show up at church mm-hmm. um but yeah i i had to say that no church is not safe for you right now until we get these these and, things ironed out there's the possibility it- of sarah do you want to jump in do you know, I just wanted to say just two things. First of all, this is mm-hmm. slightly relevant but important. Leon, any chance you can get the link for that hymn to everybody born up in the in the note in the in the oh, chat oh. here for people? Because I think it would be yeah. cool for people to hear it. Yeah, I've put it on there, but then when I tried it, the link wasn't working. So I don't okay. know. Okay. Okay. So the other thing I wanted to say is one of the one of the saddest conversations that I've ever had with you, Jane, was one we had a little while ago when we spoke a huge length and hugely raw, vulnerable conversation about how there were members of our family that we did not want to take to church with us because we did not feel it was safe. And it was incredibly horrible talking about knowing that there were members children in our families that we would not 
want to encourage or take to church because we did not believe they would be safe there. And it was a really hard conversation. And we've talked tonight about the difficulties of not being safe in school, in society, in many, many spaces where you're not safe if you're trans. But to not be safe with Christ's people in any faith community is an extra sadness. I I feel like um, one of the things that Latter-day Saints are probably not that aware of is that, um, you know, p people who are what we would describe as TBM, you know, those, those true believing Mormons who show up every Sunday and are loving and are welcoming yeah. and, uh, are, yeah. you know, and you're, you're, you're sort of ticking good all the people. social boxes. But when it comes to a discussion that you're having in Sunday school where things are reinforced from the pulpit or during the class, that other someone else that, that you don't even realize that yeah. you're doing you when you're well-meaning but if the question is presented to you what are some of the biggest threats to the family today and immediately it's got you know we we hear rhetoric around it's you know the, the homophobic things are are said transphobic things are said um let's bring the drag queens into it because yeah the the drag queens have suddenly now become this threat to humanity that um you know they, they clearly have an agenda to brainwash all of our children um which it's just horrific and it, i think it's even more bizarre in the united kingdom um you either of you two guys want to give some thoughts about about drag queens and how <laughs> that's being used against you as a weapon Men in dresses shouldn't be to children. <laughs> Jesus sat there and read stories to G children. He wore a dress. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Drag, I when I discovered, I've discovered drag through Drag Race, um, RuPaul's Drag Race. Um, but <sighs> I discovered that, I discovered that when I was um, still living with my mother and she had very heavy opinions on Drag Race, on people in drag and she could not stand that I was watching that so I'd watch it really late at night when no one else was awake um and that was something I really really enjoyed doing um because I want to be a drag queen I see so much of how I want to express myself and how drag queens express themselves um and obviously on the other side of stuff you've got drag kings but people don't so much care about drag kings because it's not men or masculine people dressing up and mm. female clothing no it's it's women just doing whatever but that's the thing it always ties back into trans women being so um judged and hated and like in most communities where you'll see that even drag queens face that same stigma of your, you know, probably a rapist is going to come into the toilets and hurt women, like, which is so oh, harming. And it, it hurts me. It boils my blood to hear whenever I hear pe yeah. people using those things against feminine, masculine people. Uh-uh. Yeah. 
I mean, it's bizarre, I think, in the UK because it's normal to, you know, we we have a we have a, a theatrical history of, um, of of drag. It's yeah, it's super. In Victorian times, it was um, people would play with gender norms, um, and it just it just wasn't that threat. Um, now there's the a threat. There's photos of Brigham Young's son in right dressed drag. up in drag yep. yeah there's photos that he was doing that as part of theater and his drag there's this yeah madame Petterini. Yeah. Um, and not only Brigham Young's son, but madame Petterini, which, which was the stage name and uh he because he was he lived as a man uh, this was yeah. this was purely yeah. a, a recreational thing yeah um begat started the young men's organization a drag yeah. queen started the young yeah. men's organization you know and let's just let's just recognize that that can happen yeah. it happened and we should get back to that you know that happening mm. again today I and think i think that's what listen to what landon said about what makes mm -hmm. your blood boil when people just make these accusations yeah it drives me to beyond insanity and to beyond beyond losing every bit of shiz around me it drives me to madness when people talk about sex offenders that have harmed a man sex offender that has harmed a boy oh it's because he's gay no but what about the women sex offender. traffickers that go into yeah. the bathrooms and kidnap kids because they're yeah. women people think yeah. they're safe. i would yeah. never let my child go into a bathroom or attend need never yeah. no i don't no. give a crap but who's in not, there but it's nothing to do with people's sexuality because they're gay because they're trans because they're mm. anything else like that because straight people that that sex offenders a street people 100 percent. it is not you know and we get these people seem to think it's the two all mixed up together and they're not it just makes me really it's because it's so unfair it's so judgmental it's so insulting it's yeah and i think the root of it comes from you know the the, the transgender experience as what it looks like is you it's the sting in the story the sting in the tail the twist that ah all the time there is this sinister agenda that yes. um is either yeah. the butt of a joke or the the hanging threat that the person who's actually out to um to harm you it's it's rooted in such hate and I, and so defining any anti-trans speech as as a hate crime i would love for our church particularly the, the Latter-day Saints community that, that we have experience of. Um, I, I hear when I'm speaking to my husband about some of the things that have been said that day, and he points out, but you can be arrested for that. If you said that, in this, that's hate crime. And it's safe to say these things in church and we congratulate you for it. Um, this has been such a fascinating discussion. And if you guys are comfortable to come back and share your stories, we, we would just love to, because we have so many things to learn about your experiences. You, you have both been so eloquent. Um, I, I am so fond of you, Leon. You're, you're, you've been such a great friend and such a support to our family and it's you know you, you've been our cheer team from from the get-go um and you know our landon and grandma's in the chat you know how much we appreciate everything that you've taught us and the the strength that we have learned from you um 
for both of you we want to bless the journeys that you take going forward and we we you know just pray and bless you that that journey will be the safest it can possibly be as we close out tonight i'm gonna come to sarah first just to get the straight white comments out of the road um then if it's okay we'll come to you leon um we'll leave the closing thoughts for you landon so what you thinking sarah do you know what I'm what just you thinking? learned tell me what you've learned tonight is it did you learn what so you so much so much think? I've learned I mean I, there was a lot I learned about pride flags because I didn't know some of that stuff about pride flags which is just one kind of thing but mostly what I've learned is the importance of recognizing the depth of harm that is caused by misgendering we, we know that we kind of know it up here don't we but it's kind of that feeling the pain that people go through when that is their daily lived experience and I think the other thing that's kind of left me a bit horrified about what what is going on in society what are we doing and why are we tolerating it is the level of hate crime that is going on for trans community we talk about it we know about it we're aware of it but actually it brings me to the one of the most favourite quotes that I've kind of heard in a very, very long time, which is, if you claim to be an ally and you are not standing close enough to get hit by the... and you're not getting hit by the same stones that the person you claim to be an ally to, you're not standing close enough. And if we're claiming to be an ally to any of our LGBT community, any of our trans community, if we're claiming to be an ally anywhere... If we're not getting hit by stones, then we're not close enough. And if we're not prepared to put our head up above the parapet and speak out because we're too worried about the impact it will have on how people see us, then there's a problem as well, isn't there? Absolutely. And I think it's just kind of left me aware that there's so much, so, so much more work to do. And I'm just taking, I cannot, I can't, genuinely, genuinely cannot think of the words that I want to use to express the courage that I see in Landon and Leon, the strength that I see in you guys, and the unfairness of the lives that you're having to live. But yeah. you, you, you're bloody amazing. Amen. I'm sorry the church has not been good enough. Okay. I'm sorry that we've not been good enough. And yeah, um, yeah we're gonna we're gonna try and yeah. make it make it do our bit to make it better. Um, Leon, anything we haven't asked or any other, what would what would you like to share tonight? Um, that you'd like. To I learned to? something. I learned about new pronouns. <laughs> it just proves that in the community we don't know everything. Yeah. And sadly, there's people that think they know everything in the community, and it sucks. But normal straight cisgender people need to stop being have their horses up so far heads up so far up the horses they, they can smell their own shit get them out otherwise i'm going to come and pull them out for you <laughs> oh, thank you it. so much you i busy, love it Leah. you you get busy Leah. <laughs> start start in my hometown and work outwards absolutely you you you, you go for it <laughs> Okay, Landon, um, anything we haven't asked you and do you want to close out with some thoughts? No, I think everything's been um, covered on my end. Um, but closing thoughts, everyone's just obsessed with us. 
you know it's, everyone's obsessed with us that's the issue here that's they, can't, they can't get over like queer people they make a sensational story good or bad you mentioned Jealous queer people are listening more whether it's good or bad they're listening more yeah. and that's you know mm. proves a lot about our community and what we are and how we are and how even we can be better like you know i'm trans but i need to be more inclusive of my intersex siblings i need to be more aware of what people of color go through in the community i need to be more aware of the history in the community um it doesn't just end at me knowing a few flags and what neo pronouns are (laughs) thank you so much um i want to ask all of our audience if you're having any pride experiences if you're planning to go if you're planning to attend support um, lgbtq owned businesses near you um, you will find some if you're in the united kingdom i would like you all and i'm going <laughs> jay's having internet issues now hello jay's having issues but i'm, I'm on the same internet because <laughs> she's sis it's what it is. Oh it's my god, yeah, that's what it is. That's what it is. How did it sound? Well, you know, yeah. Oh. Even oh oh, oh okay. Okay. we're gonna Imagine. have to type this out. No, we're we're gonna have to we're, we're we're on our way back because we haven't quite finished with you all yet. I'm really oh. <laughs> <laughs> okay. We thought we had freedom. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah I was about to say I'm the new Dean. <laughs> don't leave because i want you i want you all this is because i tried to write something and it didn't go well anyway i want you all to go to this shop called celebrate with pride and it's um it's a pride-owned business it uses pride-owned so it's it's a queer business it uses queer suppliers for all of its products and uh, it's part of the community in in glasgow it's at the world famous barris market um we are not being endorsed or we've we've not been paid to promote this um you know there at all but what we have seen is this is a business that people can go just to talk and be supported and places like that don't come around often. So if you would show them some love and support, go check out your web, their website that we've put in the link. They will post you some of their fabulous products. Got that from so there. Good. Got that. And wow. we, they, they, have, they have a fan. They have a, so that Landon can do a thwarp. It, it, it will look extremely fashionable at Pride. If you want to show um, any of your LGBTQ plus um, family, loved ones, friends, some love, go get them a card. This business will hook you up, uh, help them feel visible and seen while you support a um, queer owned business themselves. Um, if you're going to Pride, you don't have to be alone. Uh, reach out if you are going to be in Edinburgh this week. We would love to see you there. If you're going to be anywhere throughout the United Kingdom, if you're going to be anywhere uh, throughout the world, we would just love to hear about your pride experiences. So don't forget to get in touch. Thank you so much for your support tonight. We will be back this Sunday night, not here, over on Nemo the Mormon's channel, we where we have got... We Oh, some thrilling stuff to talk about. Nemo's uh, back to his dissident, uh, you know, he's, controversial best on Sunday night. It's going to be good, right? He, he's on a roll. I spoke to him tonight and he's on a serious roll preparing for a Sunday night. 
this is going to be, be Norman. This is going to be Nemo rocking and rolling out there with in a way that not seen for a while. Absolutely, you're going to love it. So, and uh, and we will be back next Wednesday night with another show. Um, as we yeah. as we prepare uh, for the rest of Pride Month, we've got lots of things to talk about. Uh, be good to yourselves, and if you need to reach out, um at all you can contact us through our social media channels leon if anyone wants to get in touch with you is that okay how yeah. can uh facebook jane's got my drop, facebook drop us a message we'll put you in touch uh, if anyone wants to speak to landon yeah, we'll pass it on to them um, don't because landon <laughs> is my child and if you want to speak to them drop me a message and i will immediately delete it you creepy person um <laughs> No, that's a that's a. I am sixteen. That's a boundary, man. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you guys so much. Um, you have been incredible. This is one of my favorite interviews because we had so much to learn from you guys. So um, that's really appreciated. Now, go take a break. Uh, we'll maybe hang out for a few minutes after the show, but uh, I think we're going to go watch some Drag Race now. Uh, thank you, Queen Rue, for making our lives so much better. And thank you to Langdon and Leon for everything that you've done uh, and supported us with tonight. Love to you all. Have a great night.